This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Goon and Talk back in with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal Transfer Show. No, it's not. <laughs> it's the Arsenal News Show. I, I knew I was going to do that at least once. It's going to happen at least. I've done 120 episodes. I was going to call the news show the Transfer Show at least one time. The joys of live broadcasting. I hope you're good. I hope you're well this morning and enjoying your wheel for the start of the weekend. I enjoyed yesterday evening when I watched uh, Shang-Chi in the cinema, which I will not spoil anything for anyone worries. No spoilers. But I do recommend you go and watch it because it is very good if you can because i know it's not available in some countries for strange reasons um but uh yeah do go watch it very good film and uh it allowed me to kind of you know when you're watching i'm not a big fan of like the adverts and the trailers part of that i don't know if that's weird but it did enable me while they were going on to kind of read through some arsenal news to get prepped for today but don't worry the mobile was off when the film was going on but during the trailers and adverts yeah no just learning more about football, just better time, better use of my time, basically. Anyway, I hope you're good. hope you're well. Please do drop a like on the video. Please do subscribe to the channel if you are new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. Good morning, Yanis. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Cameron. Good morning, Scott. Hashtag TGT Sneeze. Not feeling it yet, but you never know. It might uh, it might sneak up on me throughout the show. Thank you, uh, channel. I'm going to shoot that Sheffield United uh, SHU. It might not be, but there you go. I really appreciate it. Good morning, guys. Good morning, everyone in the chat box. Really glad that you're joining me. And again, still making this part of your morning routine with your cup of tea, with your breakfast, with your lunch, if you're in the East, with your dinner, if you're in the West. Appreciate all of you. Let's click on then. And of course, if you haven't already, please do drop us a vote on the Football Content Awards. Time is running out to vote for us. Only, I think, a week or so left to vote. If you have already voted, thank you. Vote again. Keep voting. Keep going for it. Keep keep on going. Keep voting. That's how it works. Um yeah, but let's kick on with our first story. Three kind of big stories for us to go through today. And we're going to go through them in quite a bit of detail before we go into your questions at the end of the show. Uh, David Ormstead appeared on the Ask Cast with Andrew yesterday. If you haven't listened, 
go and listen. Link is in the description for you to go and do that. Uh, within it, uh, David re revealed a lot of stuff about the transfer window. We're going to reveal some even more about what was reported on The Athletic in a second. Um, but what we're going to focus in on specifically is just a couple of quotes in which David Ornstein basically revealed that the strategy that is being put in place for Arsenal's transfers is very much towards that man. Uh, well, on the far side, you can't really see where I'm kind of see where I'm pointing, but the other side, Mr. Edu is uh, is the main guy behind this, and uh, he has supposedly very much kind of looked towards a young revitalization of the team, and that there would be an element of weathering the storm, and I use these as quote marks rather than sarcasm, um, about where we are right now as a club. And we are weathering a storm, it seems. We are, well, we're not even weathering it, to be honest. We're being battered by it, to be fair. Finishing eighth place, two consecutive, two consecutive seasons, and then, of course, now sitting bottom of the table after three games with no goals scored and nine goals conceded. This is a storm, a hurricane, if you will. <laughs> we are being battered by it right now. But the point was, is that Edu is kind of looking to establish a young core and to blend that young core with some experienced world-class players. Now, this can give us a couple of hints as to what and may could happen in the next summer window because, of course, Arsenal added six players, all of which were under the age of 24. Uh, Tommy Yasu, 22. Ben White, 23. Ramsdale, 23. Uh, Tavares, 21. Lukonga, 21. Odegaard, 22. Turning 23, if not already. Um, so... Some really young players have been added to the group. Oh, the TGT sneeze, I can feel it. It's coming. <laughs> um, but I'm going to continue until it <laughs> until it sneaks up on me some more. Um, every time I mention it, it just disappears. So I'm hoping I've scared it away. But in terms of um in terms of what we might see next summer, as we've added kind of all of those really young players, what it could mean is that we are then going to push forward with the world-class signings. Uh, in the following window. Now, there's some more information that was released by The Athletic that tells us that they were looking to go for some world-class talent this summer as well, but it just didn't quite happen. And, and we'll come on to that in a second. But what's most interesting is the fact that Edu seems to be the primary here. He seems to be the main guy in terms of the vision of Arsenal Football Club and how we will look to push forwards, which gives me a little bit of an indication that Arteta is not untouchable. It gives me a sense that if we need to make someone disposable... Arteta is the one that would move on. Edu's the guy kind of pinning down the philosophy. Edu is kind of the man that is going to be, you know, pushing forwards with the young signings. Now, when he mentioned about the fact of kind of blending world-class experience talent with youth, in my mind, there's only really two arguable players in the Arsenal squad who are senior world-class and they're debatable. One of them is definitely debatable at this moment in time, and that is, of course, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. The other player, Thomas Partey, I do believe to be a world-class player. We haven't seen enough of Thomas Partey yet. Unfortunately, he suffered with a ridiculous amount of injuries, and that's really kind of held him back. But it, for me, it's just simply a case of we need to add more of that specific dynamic of player to the squad. And until we do that, we're not going to be able to progress because that whole philosophy, the whole idea is about that blending of experience, world-class and young players. And how many times did we sit here on the channel and talk about need to balance this squad? I wanted to see experienced, top-class players, arguably world-class players brought in to balance 
the young players that we brought in. And unfortunately, there were some reasons as to why we didn't do that. Now, The Athletic, uh, as produced by James McNicholas, a.k.a. Gunnerblog, again, the link for this article is in the description, but he produced a fantastic piece on The Athletic yesterday, which detailed the summer, went through it individually, point by point. It's very, very detailed, the article, so I, I really do encourage you, if you haven't got an Athletic subscription, to get one and go read it. This isn't sponsored by The Athletic. You just should, because it is a, it's a fantastic resource to kind of, you know, get loads of exclusive information and in it we're going to highlight some of the bullet points of of the piece the first one is basically about how the summer was drawn up and a list of targets was created by the team and the team is now basically being called the football intelligence team which takes into incorporation of what was originally stat dna and has now become the arsenal data analytics team if we know there's people that have left stat dna this summer but stat dna is very much integrated still within arsenal so much so that it's been renamed the arsenal data analytics now that football intelligence team includes people like edu garlic Arteta, even his assistants like uh, like Steve Round, for instance, uh, and and a lot of the scouts as well. And of course, Arsenal did bring in some scouts um, this summer. We brought in the likes of Tony Lima from Manchester United, I believe. We brought in a few others that are going to focus in on France and, and England as well in specific areas. But that football intelligence team is very focused on trying to orchestrate the, the signings that Arsenal need to make. Now, Arteta was very much the pusher of the likes of Erdogan, White Ramsdale and Tomiyasu. Um, Erdogan as well was a big, big kind of pusher from Edu's side too. But Arteta was was very adamant that he wanted him. Tomiyasu, we know, is someone that Arteta also wanted and had wanted for some time and they pushed for him on deadline day. We know that Ben White and Ramsdale were very much an Arteta kind of player. Whereas Edu was the more side of kind of the, the continental side of things and, and more so Lukonga Tavares and his contacts led them towards those key targets. But interestingly, Edu really kind of pushed away from Ramsdale for a bit when Sheffield United became exceedingly more difficult to kind of deal with. And, and more specifically, you've got a situation where Sheffield United wanted a high fee that Arsenal weren't originally wanting to pay. And so Edu suggested that the Barcelona Brazilian keeper Neto, ironically and a client of Kia Jurabchin, would have been a good alternative. However, Arteta actually won this battle and Arsenal instead pushed through with talks. As we know, there was a bit during the end of the window where those talks broke down and then they were revived. And that was very much to do with Arteta pushing with that deal to make it happen. We then go into how Garlic got involved and Garlic very much led the, the Ben White, the Ramsdale, the Lokonga talks. Edu kind of stepped in at certain points, especially with the Lokonga situation at the end to tie those deals off. But Richard Garlic's worked with people at, at Brighton and so was obviously very much ingrained in, in how that goes, being a former Premier League exec there. Knew, knew plenty of people within the English clubs and was able to do that. Edu was the one that kind of more so led uh, the Tomiyasu talks after Arteta had kind of pushed for that signing and the Tavares talks with Benfica as well. Uh, but interestingly, Kia Jarabchim, who we know that Arsenal's got a uh, varied relationship with, he is the agent of Edu and Cedric and previously uh, and still is for Willian and, and David Luiz. He was an intermediary for Real Madrid in the Erdogan deal. Um, which is interesting, more so for Real Madrid side than Arsenal side. But he was involved in Erdogan moving. That doesn't mean he's Erdogan's agent, as far as I'm aware. 
Um, he was just very much involved in kind of being an intermediary between the two clubs. Erdudo spearheaded the interest in Latara Martinez and Jules Kunda. At the start of the window, Arsenal were very interested in Jules Kunda, as reported by The Athletic. And Edu was very much the man behind the interest of those two players. Latara Martinez, as we know, Arsenal during the talks between Inter Milan and Arsenal for Hector Bellerin that never ended up being anything. Uh, he inquired about the possibility of signing Latara Martinez. That deal never got to an advanced stage, despite conflicting reports elsewhere. It was just interest. There was just talks. And it became very, uh, very clear very quickly that that deal wasn't going to be taking place, um, that he was going to be staying at Inter Milan. They'd managed to sell Lukaku as well, which meant they were in no kind of financial pressure to sell. They supposedly, according to the Times, agreed a fee with Spurs for Latara Martinez. He didn't want to go at this point. So that was a deal that was never ultimately going to happen. But encouraging signs that Edu was the man kind of really pushing for that Latara Martinez and Jules Kunda deals at the start of the window, but Arsenal weren't able to get them done. Uh, Garlic was then kind of the man that sorted out player contracts. And really interestingly, an additional year in those player contracts. So all of the players that we signed this year have an option for an additional year to be activated within their own contracts. This is a basically a strategy that Arsenal are putting in place to try and give them more control over player contracts, giving them that little bit of wiggle room if they need it. And that's certainly something that we're seeing happen right now. It's also something that we still need to be kind of assured about. But with the way that we're approaching these deals, it would be a fairly good assumption that the contract renewals for both Smith-Rowe and Kieran Tierney could, and I say could, also includes that year option, but it's something that does need to be confirmed. But it's something that Arsenal are pushing through is including kind of this year option on top of the current deals that we agree with them. Now, one of the things that was highlighted in the article was about the sales and how Arsenal struggled with the selling of players and the line of impossible to sell a player no one wants to buy was included. And it's something that we've talked about a lot on the channel is that it is ultimately impossible to sell a player that no one wants to buy. The retort to that would be say, well, lower the value of that player, lower the market value, but it gets to a point where you are just undermining your own reputation even more than Arsenal already have. The deal for Roma and Granit Xhaka just got to a stage where Arsenal weren't willing to let a first-team player leave for the really meagre fee that Roma are offering for Granit Xhaka, and that's why that didn't happen. Um, whilst it wasn't actually detailed in the piece by the Athletics, so I'm assuming they don't have the you know they don't have the the information to confirm whether this was the case or not. But we did hear from a number of sources outside of the Athletic that. Arsenal had agreed a fee with the Crystal Palace for Eddie Nketiah, but it actually was his personal terms that kind of stopped that deal from happening. So that was kind of something slightly different. But rather interestingly, Arsenal did really struggle with this. I think they definitely kind of waited until the end of the window, see if that would have caused any teams to kind of rise up and really push for some of those deals, knowing that at the end of the window, Arsenal might be a little a little bit more kind of free and malleable to, to sell at certain prices that they wouldn't have been certain months prior to this happening. And that ultimately left Arsenal in a place where they had then to loan players out last minute, like Bellerin, like Reese Nelson, etc. And Ketia ended up staying, saying Kalasinac ended up staying because no one came in for him that was of like an offer that they were willing to accept. Fenerbahce, we hear from the Fenerbahce president, they offered something towards uh, say Kalasinac's kind of interest. His agents and representatives said they wanted a certain figure. I think it was around 3 million euros a year, which they just weren't willing 
to, to, to go for. So that didn't happen in the end either. Um, Xhaka's contract, interestingly, was actually a clause in his last deal that they triggered. So it wasn't like, from what I'm aware and from what I've understood from the article, it wasn't like a prolonged contract negotiation. It was actually a clause in his current contract that they were able to extend that to 2024. Whether or not that year option that's included to take it to 2025 i'm not sure but they definitely activate a year clause in his deal to extend it by that extra year so it's a solid three years at least but i don't know whether or not they've argued or they've you know they've uh, negotiated that additional option that would take it to 2025 but what we're aware is that it's a free year additional like so for, currently it's a free year contract one more year than he was already on with an extra year as an option to take into 2024 but that was interestingly actually a clause that they triggered in the old Granite Xhaka contract. So that's some really interesting information on that. Um, had Arsenal managed to sell more players like Xhaka to Roma or Nketiah to Palace, they would have signed more than six players this summer was one of the uh, kind of an analyses that, that James McNicholas came to at the end of his piece. This is something I tend to agree with. Arsenal were only able to sell Joe Willock during the window had they been able to bring in a lot more money. And if you think about the players that Arsenal were willing to let go of, Nketiah, Nelson, Torreira, Bellerin, Sayer, Kalas, all of these guys, if they'd have managed to move them on for genuine fees, then they would have been able to get them in. Interestingly, Matteo Ganduzi has obviously left on loan, but from what we're aware of, this is a compulsory buy option. There is no Ganduzi returning after this loan. It is a compulsory £9 million buy clause that will get will kind of activate at the end of the season. So Ganduzi, as far as we're aware, is an absolute goner. No matter who, if the new manager comes in, he will go to Marseille at the end of the season. Saliba, slightly different. We'll wait and see at the end of the season how that changes. And finally, it points towards central midfield once again and striker being at the absolute centre stage of the coming summers. They will be the two key positions that Arsenal invest in. And if we are looking at the way in which we want to balance the squad, six players in centre-back, right-back, left-back, goalkeeper, centre-mid and attacking midfield all of which were under the age of 24. That points towards the blend of world-class players that Edu is supposedly wanting. And so therefore, next year when Lacazette leaves and when possibly, well, when Elneny will probably leave next year as well, unless he leaves this summer, they will look to strengthen those two key positions, most likely with a senior experienced player. That is what Arsenal will be looking at for those two positions and could be the marquee summer that a lot of Arsenal fans have been calling out for for some time. However, that is at the moment just uh, conjecture shall we call it. And that rounds up the Athletic article. Of course, there's a lot more detail, a lot more to discover within the article itself. This is just kind of a, a fly-through, if you like. Link to the article is in the description, so please do go and check it out. Now, I released an article yesterday that I said I was going to release over on Football London for the Fan Brands team of Reach. Uh, my interview with Ben Jacobs, sports journalist and expert into all things football and sport in general. Ben is an incredibly knowledgeable person. I spoke to him via Zoom. He was currently in Japan uh, covering the uh, Paralympics over there, but has spent years in working, living in Doha, in Qatar, and knows that so, so well. And speaking from him, it was very obvious that he was very much in the know Without, you know, I hate that turn of phrase, but he, you know, he, he knows his stuff about this thing. And so I was able to do an interview with him. So the uh, the link to this article is in the description. 
I saw quite a few people of you have, have read it and retweeted it. So thank you ever so much for that. Have, have shared it. If you haven't read it already, please do. Um, but it revolves around kind of the, the whole situation that we was aware of, I think it was just over a week ago, in which um, Khalifa bin Hamad Al-Tani, who is the guy tweeting uh, a lot of things about Arsenal, very cryptic uh, on Instagram and also on Twitter, and obviously caused quite a stir. And quite rightly, because when you've got a fan base like Arsenal that are desperate to see change of ownership, there's anyone of any kind of wealth or stature putting themselves in a position where they would like to buy Arsenal immediately, that is going to cause quite a stir. We know from the Daniel X scenario that Arsenal fans got very, very much, um, <laughs> very, very hyped about the idea of, of Arsenal being sold, as you would, because, you know, we're all cronky out at this stage and we all want to see Arsenal's ownership change because, frankly, under their tenure, we have regressed and we want to see change. Unfortunately for those that were in the court of wanting the Qataris or specifically uh, Altani himself, to take over the club. That looks exceptionally unlikely. Exceptionally unlikely. There's a number of reasons why I wanted to go into it. I said to you, and we covered this before, and I have to hold my hands up. In the last show, I got it very, very wrong in regards to who I was talking about, and that same confusion about who is who uh, in kind of the big scheme of things. Uh, Altani is not the brother to the Emir of, of Qatar, for starters. He is on a complete. The person we're talking about here is on a completely different branch of that royal group. He is not the person people think he is. He is not someone who alone has the the capital to be able to buy Arsenal by himself. And typically, and what's very interesting about when uh, there's kind of an investment from Qatari Sports Investment, which is what it would all go through, which goes through the royal family itself, is it all kind of has to be agreed on. Now, the Qataris have a lot of investment currently in PSG, as I'm sure you're very much aware of, and has enabled them to push forward with deals for the likes of Neymar, the likes of Sergio Ramos, Donnarumma, and of course, most recently and famously, Lionel Messi. It doesn't make too much sense for Arsenal to be part of that investment group right now and there are a number of reasons as to why if you want to find out the really in-depth detailed stuff please do go read the article and it will give you all the insight that you need but we'll give you some of the clear bullet points the first off is that this, this just seems to be a bit of a social media show i did another article on this talking to the likes of mitch freely who writes uh and and talks about qatari football and is in the know about all of it for his job and he very much felt like this is very much a social media for show. Uh, and this is very much a clout chasing type of thing and nothing legitimate. People jumping onto, I think I've seen Twitter spaces to try to give people false hope. This does not look like a, a possibility right now and is very much kind of an ent entertainment almost kind of thing for them, which is a real shame because, as we know, Arsenal fans are very impressionable. Uh, and we know that they will jump on the back of this hype train, as I've described it in the headline. And unfortunately, a lot of people have jumped on the back of it. Now, the reasons I this is one of the reasons why I wanted to speak to Ben Jacobs about this and ask him as to the clear reasons as to why a Qatari takeover of Arsenal would not happen. Leave aside all of the social aspects of it. Let's just talk about the facts. Why would a Qatari takeover of Arsenal be so unlikely? The first thing is actually about Arsenal's market value. Arsenal's value in the market right now has never been lower in the whole entirety of kind of when you think about the KSC taking over. Arsenal currently sit in back-to-back eighth-place finishes without Champions League football with a very young coach, a very young executive board in complete what I would describe as disarray at times. An unbalanced team that have finished... 
as I say, eighth, and are currently bottom of the Premier League table. Arsenal, in terms of itself, is exceptionally, you know, it's attractive in the sense that it's one of the big six. They're in London. They have a global brand and fan base. But in terms of when you would sell your assets, this for KSE is one of the worst possible times for them to sell. It would make no sense for them to sell. And for an investor's point of view, if the Cronkies were going to sell, they would want well over what Arsenal is currently valued at, which is believed to be somewhere between two and three billion pounds. I don't think that any right-minded person would invest in something that is far, far below, even at these figures, far, far below what it is actually worth. Rich people get rich by making decisions to put them into a place where they're not losing money. Like, let's be real. They don't make silly decisions regarding their money. Otherwise, they wouldn't be rich. And so they're not going to invest in something right now that is at the lowest possible value and yet will be, still be going for a ridiculously high fee. It would make no sense. So you have to consider the market value of Arsenal as opposed and in conjunction with KSE's selling point, which is far and away higher than that. If you also think back to when Daniel Ek posted that tweet about the whole Cronky uh, telling Josh Cronky said to them that they don't need the money. Again, they don't need the money. And if they are going to sell, it's th that kind of situation breeds a situation where you would find an exceptionally high figure being needed for them to sell. Going on to the next point is the Emirates Association. Now, Fly Emirates have obviously been involved with Arsenal since 2004 when they struck the deal with uh, the club for the naming rights to the stadium and the shirt sponsor. They officially became the, the the kind of the face of Arsenal in 2006 when the stadium was opened and that shirt sponsor began. We were still with O2 up until the end of Highbury's existence. Um, and of course, their Emirates then took over. Emirates is a UAE-based corporation, company, business, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that is a bit of an issue because of the issues that are associated between Qatar and the UAE. So one of the big things about Qatar right now is the World Cup in 2022. And so to be able to promote that through tourism, through Qatar Airways, through flights, through companies, anything that's going to be associated with the Qatar 2022 World Cup and tourism, a lot of that would come through a deal with Arsenal trying to promote tourism, trying to promote that side of things. And so because of the Emirates Association, that really makes things difficult, really does kind of it's a lot of friction. I'm, read the article, read what Ben has to say, and it will explain any questions that you've got, unfortunately. Uh, and then the last point, as I say, this is a whistle-stop tour, so please make sure you read the piece because it explains it way better than I can just, just speaking to you off the back of kind of just reading it and, and writing it. Um, the Premier League resistance, and, and this is where kind of Newcastle comes into things. Newcastle, of course, have had a proposed takeover from the Saudi Arabia, I believe, push back I think it's been deferred until at least next year where talks will continue and to see a, the Qataris come in to buy Arsenal if that went through the checks and was passed by the Premier League there would be huge reticence from Newcastle saying well this isn't fair because you're you know there's a lot of resistance towards a Saudi Arabian takeover of Newcastle and yet a Qatari takeover of Arsenal is able to happen absolutely freely so there would be huge resistance from the clubs, which could cause the Premier League to you know, turn around and say, no, that this isn't going to happen. You're not allowed to, to buy Arsenal. It's, it's so, so difficult to see a Qatari takeover of Arsenal happening um, with all of these factors taken into account. And unfortunately, what has happened is, is that 
a lot of people have got very excited over a few tweets, as you would. Let's be real. Who is going to go and do this level of research off the back other than me? <laughs> like, you know, I'm obsessed with this stuff. I need to find out what the actual deal is. And by going into this amount of depth, you understand why a Qatari takeover of Arsenal is just exceptionally unlikely to the point where it just simply unwilling to, to expect will not happen. Um, I saw one of the replies to my tweets, which I'm happy to address, was that if the Qataris decide to buy Arsenal, they just will buy Arsenal. It's it's look that that argument doesn't make too much sense. It's like it's it's not it's weird. It's like saying I don't fancy a takeaway tonight, but you know I might just turn around and say I'm going to buy one because I can. But it's so different to that because it's <laughs> there aren't legalities in the way of you buying a pizza this on Friday night. There's nothing in the way of kind of stopping that. There's no sponsorship deals you have to worry about. There's nothing in regards to kind of, you know, the owner of all pizza shops turning around to you saying, well, no, he Brad wanted to buy a pizza on Thursday and we said he couldn't. So we can't actually let you buy a pizza on Friday. This is a silly analogy. But do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> So this is this is kind of the ridiculousness of some of the arguments you find is to saying, well, if they want to buy it, they just will. And that's just not true from all of the highlight, all of the points that we've just um, kind of put into uh, into into, you know, into practice and into the article. All of this shows you why it's just so, so unlikely. Um, unfortunately, it, it would make a lot of a lot of problems, it, a lot of a lot of chaos. It just wouldn't happen. I feel like I'm going around in circles now, so I'm going to stop boring you. If you want some legitimate point-by-point -point breakdowns and explanation from Ben Jacobs, read the article. It's all there in the description, so go and check it out. Oh, 27 minutes, and I haven't answered any questions yet. Lucky it's my day off. So uh, if you've got any questions, throw them into the chat box. I'll do my best to go through them, and uh, and yeah. Uh, there we go. I'm going to take a drink now while you guys kind of come up with some questions as quick as you can. And uh, and we'll go through them. Oh, man. Reggie says, damn, Tom, you need a job. Oh, wait. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it is my job. <laughs> uh, Scott, uh, Tom, so young, but fairly experienced players brought in. Uh, what do you believe should be the next January uh, and next summer? A mix of both young profiles and experienced heads to create a balance. Look, Scott, next, I think January is going to be about outgoings. I'd be shocked if you see a sport incomings. I think that would be completely dictated by if we get injuries. If you see players, obviously, that are really crucial to the team getting injured, especially in central midfield. If that happens, I imagine Arsenal would maybe bring forward their summer plans to January if they don't, if we don't get injuries, if we don't see suspensions. Of course, the African Cup of Nations will be going on, so that will be monitored. But I imagine that things will be, you know, held back and January is going to be very much about getting the likes of Eddie Nketiah out, Sarah Kalasnac out, players like this, Mohamed Elneny maybe, even though he's going off to the African Cup of Nations. Surplus players to the team that we don't need could be sold. You may even see, say, for instance, with now us bringing in Tommy Asu and Ben White, if Rob Holding barely gets a minute, he may want to leave the club because he wants to get game time. So someone like him could go, Callum Chambers could go, Cedric could go. Like any players that are going to be without regular game time could yet leave the club in, in January, most likely in the defensive department. So that's what January will be. The summer, I think the summer is where you'll see more world-class experience targets. It will depend upon, of course, where we finish in the league as to who we can actually attract. But that's what I would predict Arsenal to be going for in the next summer is your world-class key upgrades on central midfield. And if Lacazette leaves, 
Then, of course, strike and position. That will be another area that I imagine that we will push for. Um, the Real Yanis says, apart from the Kia connection uh, and not replacing Xhaka, I like what Edu and Arteta have done. If we sign central midfield, centre forward and a right-footed left winger to fill those spots. Why do we need to sign a right-footed left winger? Can we not promote Martinelli? Yanis, like I'd, I'd say Martinelli, push push him into that role. I don't want to see him as a striker, to be honest. I'm not the biggest fan of seeing Martinelli as a striker. I think he works great as a wide like a wide forward that cuts in. I'd rather we saw him in that position. So, But I appreciate the donation, Yanis. And, uh, and yeah, I agree in regards to centre midfield and centre forward. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm content with the summer. I just think it's a failure in regards to upgrading the starting 11. I'm content with it because I think we've done some things we needed to do. But it's a solid six out of ten, like for me, but which is a failure because an eight out of ten or higher for me would be a kind of a success. So we didn't do what we needed to do. Six or seven out of ten, uh, yeah, it's, it was a shame. But it is what it is. Uh, Chris says, Tom, when does Leno's contract expire? At the end of, uh, I think it's the end of this season. I'm pretty sure it's the end of this season. Leno's contract expires. He may have an option. As I say, they're, they're really trying to insert these options that they can include in, in contracts. Let me just have a quick check for you. Uh, according to Transfer Arts, it is June 2022. So unless there is an additional option to extend by a year, it will expire at the end of this season. So there you go. Uh, no, not had breakfast yet, Tono. Waiting on that one. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, no no breakfast so far. Just straight, just eating football for days. But Elijah says, Tom, would Arsenal look uh, to get a loan on a central midfielder in January? I think Balaji would very much depend on, on injuries, on how long the African Cup of Nation involvement for some of our players would be. So that's that's probably it. Rich says, Tom, senior midfielders, you say, eh? Basuma will be 26 next season. That's senior, just saying. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you, mate. Uh, Basuma all day long. Uh, Channel SHU says, do you believe Ornstein just because that's what he's been told? I think there's a lot of BS from Arsenal to set all the fans, and that includes the Xhaka deal. Look, at the end of the day, the likes of David Ornstein are exceptionally well-connected. We as an Arsenal fan base are very sceptical. We are very wary. We like to believe accounts that are faced by avatars of inanimate objects, for instance, or little rodents like gerbils. Um, (laughs) That's what Arsenal fans do. We're an exceptionally sceptical bunch. I'm not surprised that people question the likes of David Ornstein, your Charles Watts, your Chris Wheatley's me like people question anything i'd say because at the end of the day i'm only been barking on my journalism career only very recently but the likes of david ornstein and wheatley and watts and benj all of these guys have been well versed in the sphere for a long time they have legitimate contacts they have great connections and i would you know if you're going to believe anyone regarding news believe your sources that are genuinely giving you continuous info not just on arsenal but on lots of different things a lot of hard work goes on behind the scenes into establishing contacts. I mean, for the perspectives of me, like my, from my own perspective, I left teaching in 2020, um, September of 2020 is when I left teaching. And in that nine or have a month, no, nearly, oh, it's been a year. Wow, it's been a year since I left. So in the year that's passed since then, like contacts are amazingly kind of built up very quickly. Um, like... I don't know, and we don't want to give them away. I nearly did then. So, like, you don't want to you don't want to reveal your contacts because if you did reveal your contacts, then your contacts wouldn't tell you anything. Like, it's as simple as that. Some contacts are very clear because we have some people on the channel that you become very aware of. Uh, I interview people for Football.London or for Reach and stuff like that. You don't reveal your contacts because if you do, you don't 
you wouldn't be able to you rely on them for info. Why would a contact tell you anything else if you've outed them? Like it makes no sense. So, you know, my least favorite re like reply to a tweet is when someone replies saying "source?" question mark Like, why would anyone reveal it? <laughs> why would you reveal your source? It would make absolutely no sense. And that obviously breeds a situation where you can get, as we like to do, like talk about on the channel, where you get ITKs because people that are legit aren't going to reveal their sources. So if you're absolutely fake, like we've highlighted with all the ITKs that we've looked at throughout the summer, you don't have to reveal your source because it's the same as what the people who actually know what they're talking about won't either. So it's it's a really strange situation, but I would always guide you in the direction of believing those that are legit, are with genuine sources and with publications as you know as the best as feasibly possible and, and to give you the best bet of getting information that is credible so i hope that answers your question <laughs> uh, i went into a lot of detail with that one uh, let's go to let's scroll up a little bit more uh jacob says morning tom i just wanted to know if the extra year is triggered is there an increment in the wages as well for the player jacobus i wouldn't be able to tell you the answer to that because it would be dependent upon the clause in the contract it may be that their previously agreed contract had a clause in it that when that goes up, it includes a wage increase. I imagine that with Granite Xhaka, that's definitely what's happened, that the the clause in their contract to increase it by an extra year plus an option did include an incremental wage increase. I don't know if that would have started at the moment he signs that deal and the extension or whether or not after the current two years that were left on his current contract, that the wage would then go up after two years. I don't know. It would depend upon what's in it. It's not the same for all contracts. All contracts are different, different wages, different breakdowns, different bonuses. Everything is different. So it's, I wouldn't be able to tell you, I'm afraid, Jacobus, without actually having seen the contract or hearing from the agent specifically, which I don't have a direct line to, to Granite Jack's agent. Um, Constantine says, centre midfield next year. I think we will have Lokonga and Aziz at centre mids uh, next to Partey and Xhaka. It depends how Aziz gets on. Charlie Patino is incredibly, like he's, his development is incredibly accelerated. Like It's so fast how he's improving. Playing with the first team the other day, impressing massively. He could be your next Bakaya Saka coming through. Really, really excited uh, about, um, about Charlie Patino coming through. Let's scroll down. What's an ITK, Johan? Uh, it's someone we like to describe as in the know. Uh, it's, it's quite satirical at times to be described as that because they tend not to be in the know, but they're claiming to be in the know. So that's what it means. Rich says, I'm sceptical because we have so many big players leaving on a free next season, which could raise 50 plus million pounds if we sold all of them, six of them in and around the first team. That's a lot of money lost. Absolutely. Uh, and Arsenal are unfortunately going to be in a position where they are losing money because we've invested so poorly over the last 10 years. We are, we're going to see a lot of players leave for free and we are going to need to gradually turn things around. This summer was the beginning of that. Investing in six players all under the age of 24 enables you to bring in players that have sell-on value that you aren't at risk of losing for free. I have worries about how the man management of the situation works when you see someone like Genduzzi 20 what 20 years 21 years of age loads of potential got his issues we're losing him for nine million pounds at the end of this season like that's that's not good enough and that's how you man manage players Saliba we invested 27 plus million in him are we going to see anywhere close to that if we let him go who knows but 
it's it's a worry. It's it's a it's a real worry uh, how we are man, man managing our players right now. Thanks, Duration. I appreciate the the support you're giving in the chat. It's not going to notice, mate. Do drop a like on the video, guys, if you're enjoying the content and subscribe to the channel if you're new. We're doing your news updates on Arsenal almost every single day. So please make sure you do tune in. Uh, Vankatesh says, Tom, which position do you want to see improve next year other than centre midfield? Striker. Striker has to be the position next year. Like this season, I was fine with it. We have Lacazette and Abamyang. Next season, Lacazette leaves. Abamyang has one year left on his deal and Ketia will have gone too. Striker has to be the focus. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's my choice. He's the one I want to see come in. I think Arsenal would need to have obviously beaten Everton in the league table and probably got themselves European qualification. DCL is is my is my guy. He's the one I'd like to see Arsenal go for. Um, absolutely. I like this this train of of improving the homegrown quota, and he's a quality player, and he's showing that at the start of the season with Everton already. Uh, Reggie says, do you think the AFC Bell sold his account? He didn't sound like the same person this summer. Look, who knows? <laughs> who knows? I, I thought that the account got a lot wrong and was, was very vague this summer, and I've been very publicly kind of critical. Um, but yeah, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? But there was a lot of stuff that weren't, bang on or that was quite reactionary and that came out after other reports had already came out uh the madison thing was kind of the only real thing and that that was quite guessable like we talk on the channel a lot about how you guess transfers i mean i wrote a piece as you guys know at the start of the window about how to avoid being fooled by itks and i brought up that bellerin is a good guess to be linked to inter milan and you know a few weeks or however long it took later he was linked to inter milan so it's yeah is what it is, really. Um, it's, it's funny, I think, if people jump on the back of things. Like, I mean, I did an article for Football London about kind of the players that Arsenal could target from Serie A. And I I talked about Andrea Bellotti. There were no, no one was talking about Andrea Bellotti like as a, as a genuine link because there were no genuine links. It was, a, it was a suggestion in an article about the Serie A strikers that Arsenal could look at after, say, Vlovic or Martinez. Bellotti was suggested. And I think Two days later, a publication. Oh, I've got look, no arm. <laughs> Two days later, um, there was a there was a report, and we discussed it on the transfer show that Bellotti was linked to Arsenal. So it is funny how you just see these things kind of crop up. It's it's just the way of the transfer circus that it that it is. So there you go. Um, Rahul says the article on the Athletic mentioned image rights. Can you explain? Uh, let me have a look because uh, I've got it open. Uh, buh, 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 buh. This summer, Arsenal have fully dispensed with the inclusion of image rights in new player deals. Only one remaining senior player has those, and it is a contract granted by a previous regime, being either the Arsene Wenger regime or the Raul Sanyehi regime. Arsenal have also inserted an optional extra year on those deals. Do I know too much about image rights? Ultimately, I'm not going to pretend like I do. I don't. Um, Arsenal have fully dispensed with the inclusion of image rights in new player deals. Okay, let me give my how I think. Now, this is all Tom's crazy theory. Image rights are obviously, if you have image rights in a contract, it means that the club owns the rights to the player's images, which I imagine in kind of, in modern day football, player image rights is not something that players I would imagine would want to give away that would want inserted in their contracts because players now are their own brands. Like players are now their own companies. Like you look at Mesut Ozil with his, with stuff he does behind the scenes. 
You look at Cristiano Ronaldo is sporting underwear that, you know, Mike from the Gunas podcast can wear. Like, these players want to be their own brands. So I imagine that image rights being included could be a bit of a sticking point for certain clubs. And maybe Arsenal is one of those. So maybe them dispensing with image rights being included in player contracts has enabled them to better negotiate deals with players for certain wages. Also, if you, in, if you think about it, if you were to include image rights in a contract, surely a player's wage would be higher because they would want they would want more money for their image rights to be included in the contract. So Arsenal have done a lot this summer to kind of reduce their wage bill. And so therefore, if you dispense with the image rights within a player's contract, you then get the player for a lower wage because they can then do their own thing with their image rights and make more money from third parties. So I think, Rahul, that's my theory about why they probably dispense with image rights within it. It's a good question, and I'm glad you brought it up because it's something that I didn't include in the breakdown earlier on. So, yeah, I think that probably makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, so Paul Guy says image rights is to do with a player's sponsorship deal. So, obviously, we would get them for, a, you know, a, a, a lower wage. So, there you go. Uh, Adam in the chat, uh, all of the uh, all of them are in the, uh, in the description. You can find all the articles in the description. So there you go. Uh, let's go for Wayne, who says, our centre midfield targets seem to vary in profile quite a lot, e.g. Bruno versus Basuma. Do you think an extra year with our current options can help to narrow down what type of midfielder we really need? Um <sighs> I mean, an extra year maybe does that. And maybe it depends on how those players perform as to say if, you know, Partey performs really well, Lekonga performs really well. Maybe we don't go for kind of your more mobile type of central midfielder. Maybe you go for your more passing focused central midfielder. Uh, you look at more of a Bruno Guimaraes. If you if say Lekonga isn't a success or Partey doesn't do well and has to leave, maybe then you go for more of a Basuma type of player that's more mobile, more disciplined, defensively focused. But maybe... Wayne, maybe. It's, just, it's not a bad suggestion. Um, 247 says, hi, Tom. What's your prediction for the Norwich game? I hope that we smash it. But honestly, until I see the, the, the press conference head of Norwich and know who's available, I will be waiting uh, for my prediction. So we will wait for that one. Um, when does Lerno's contract expire? At the end of the season. As far as we're aware, it's at the end of this current season. Uh, TOG says, with Lodge currently favouring Adama Trincao, do you think we have a chance at Neto on a cheap when he's back from injury? I think he's preferring them because Neto's injured, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Trincao and Adama Traore, obviously Trincao coming in on loan. They've got an option, I think, to buy him from Barcelona. Uh, Lodge likes his Portuguese players. He's come from Portugal. He came from Benfica. So it's unsurprising that Trincao is, is playing. Um, Adama, of course, being Spanish, um, whether or not that has any influence, but he's one of their best forwards. If Adama Traore had end product, he'd probably be one of the best players on the planet, but he just has no end product whatsoever. So um, maybe Neto would be available on a cheap. I like him. I think he's a really good talent. Still very young. Got a lot of development still to do, but he's injured at the moment. That's why he's not playing. I hope I answered your question, uh, T-Thames. Uh, it expires at the end of the season, uh, as far as we're aware, but there may be an option that we're unaware of. But according to Transfermarkt, it expires in 2022, but there may be an option for another year on his deal. We'll wait and see. Uh, Isaac or DCL? DCL, for me, is who I would go for. Already acclimatised the Premier League and established at a top-half Premier League table team. So, yeah, I would go for DCL, personally. Uh, Umi says, are you telling me that Awobi is a high sale in the last 15 to 20 years? Uh, Awobi or Oxlade-Chamberlain? 
one of those two, I think, is the highest. Uh, I'm trying to think of anyone else that we've sold for anything more than near £40 million. But I think it's just Iwobi and Oxlade-Chamberlain. They're the only ones that I can think of. Ironically, I know Oxlade-Chamberlain wasn't a Hayland graduate, but we bought him at a very young age. Iwobi was, Willock was, and they're proving to be some of our highest sales at the moment. So interesting, isn't it? Um, the young English players, some of which we've invested in, some of which we've bought, the ones that we're selling for quite a lot of money. It is quite unsurprising. Uh, Rand said, is Anana a free agent next summer? Not sure. I don't know. You'd have to check it. Go on to TransferMart, check when his contract runs out. Uh, Venka Chess says, any specific player or specific quality of player that you want to see in the future in coming to Arsenal? Look, I want to see a striker that is very dynamic. And what I mean by that is someone that's got multiple characteristics about their game. Someone that's quick, someone that's tall, someone that's good in the air, someone that's clinical. Look, I'll, basically, I want Robert Lewandowski as a 20-year-old. That's what I want. Um, so if you're asking me what I want, that's what I want. <laughs> but we need, I do think we need to focus on someone that's got good aerial ability. That's something that we're very much lacking in, in the box. But they can't be slow. They can't be a Vout Veghorst, for instance. I wouldn't want to be seeing a Vout Veghorst be brought in by the club. I wouldn't want to be seeing a Fernando Lorente turn up. Only, and it is only... If, say, we only got a striker that was very good but lacks that aerial ability, then go out and say, get your plan B. Get your plan B-style striker and bring them in. But that's... I want to see someone with aerial ability that's that's quick, that's, that's strong, uh, and that's clinical and good with good with the ball at his feet as well and technical. So that's that's what I want to see. So there you go. Ari says, have you seen Edu's exclusive interview with Sky Sports? No. If that's a very recent, I've not seen it. So send me a DM and link me to it and I'll have a look. Uh, Rich says, how would you feel about Ivan Tony? I will assess after this season, Rich. I'll see how he gets on for Brentford in the Premier League and, and then make an assumption because I've been very like reticent about getting him in from the championship. I've been very wary about that. So I will I will wait. I will bide my time on that one uh, and see. Uh, would I take Isaac? Yeah, I would take uh, Alexander uh, Isaac, but I would prefer Dominic Calvert-Lewin uh, at the moment. So, so yeah. Uh, let's go to, would you take Adama Traore? No, I wouldn't because I just don't think he's clinical enough and we've got enough players missing chances before you consider getting in Adama Traore. <laughs> uh, Saar would be an upgrade but lacks the technical skill. Is that uh, Malang Saar or Nabi Saar? Or, uh, uh, who's the um, Watford Saar? I've forgotten his name. The chat box is going to be exploding in any second telling me who he is. Um... Oh, what's his name? <laughs> tell me, chat box. That's really bad. You'll tell me in a second. Uh, 24-7 says, Patrick Vieira, Crystal Palace. Are you worried? No, I actually worry for them. Ismaili Saar, thank you. Ismaili Saar, thank you very much. That's his name. Would I take him? I'll see. Yes, okay. <laughs> Ismaili Saar is coming up massively now. Um I'll see how he gets on. Liverpool were linked with a move for, for Ismaili Saar. I think they saw him as a bit of a depth replacement for Jordan Shakiri. So, uh, yeah, it's possibly. Uh, we'll see how he gets on at Watford. Uh, I, I, um, I'm tempted to put him in my fantasy team because he's, he's, you know, he's a threat and he's getting a couple of points. But Watford are very unpredictable at the moment. So I might hold fire. On that one, the wild card is a real tempt. This this international break, uh, it's a real tempt. In fact, in fact, I'm not going to tell you how how we're doing in fantasy football. We do have a league, by the way. Link is in the description for our fantasy league. Um, Daniel Robert, whenever whenever Daniel Roberts not doing well, he doesn't pipe up in the chat. When Daniel Roberts doing well, one of our members he does pipe up in the chat. So I assume by him not piping up in the chat recently, 
he can't be doing too well. But I've not checked the league, so uh, all I can see. Get involved with our fantasy league if you haven't already. Um, yes, it's, it's good fun. And at the moment, my old boss is top of the league, Benjamin Newman. If you're watching, uh, formerly of 101 Great Goals, he's currently top of the table. So if someone's got to knock my old boss off the league table, please, would be much appreciative. Can't have a Crystal Palace fan winning the TGT League. <laughs> Do not want that at all. <laughs> um, let's go to... Hi, Tom. Is it okay if I'm cronky in? Look, is it okay if you're cronky in? I don't agree with you. At the end of the day, you have an opinion and you can your opinion is whatever you want your opinion to be. I don't think being cronky in is the best position for the mind of taking Arsenal forwards. My opinion is that we need to sell, that the owners need to sell and that we need a new owner to progress this club forwards. But I'm never, ever going to sit down and tell anyone that has an opinion that's not abusive or any of the you know derogatory stuff. I'm never going to tell you that it's not okay to have an opinion. It's your opinion. Own it. Explain it. As long as you can back it up with genuine evidence, you know, go for it. But I don't agree with you. <laughs> I don't agree with you whatsoever. But uh, but yeah, I I would strive for Arsenal to have a legitimate owner that would care about the club, invest in the club, that's got a clean history. I know that might be fanciful, but that's what I strive for. And that's what I would want to accept. So I'm not going to accept anything less. And I would not be happy with anything less. So uh, that's that's where I stand on, on ownership. That's for sure. Uh, Taib says, Tom, do you think Arsenal should have gone for Ibrahim Sangada? He was linked uh, for years. Yes, I believe he went to uh, PSV, did he not? Uh, I know that Raf, uh, one of our podcast regulars, a big fan of him. Maybe. I don't know enough about him, so I couldn't comment on him whatsoever. Could I share a link? In the, if you go into the description, Venkatesh, it's it's there. The, the link to the fantasy is right there. It's, it's, I can't share the link because you know, I can't copy it in here, but Go into the video description. The link is right there. You'll be able to join you. It brings you into the league. So uh, go and join the league. In fact, no, I can't find it right now. Maybe I'll find it later. Anyway, we're going to wrap things up there, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We've done a long show this morning, so I hope you've enjoyed it. It takes a lot to speak for 51 minutes and 35 seconds nonstop. So I hope you have enjoyed it. I'll be back. I won't be back today because um, I'm out. Uh, actually, that's a lie. I might I might do a show around midday-ish before I go out because I want to do a video because it is it's international break and it means I usually chat a load of rubbish about something random. And I want to address kind of the way the channel is and like how we are as a channel and the way I talk about things because there's been a few comments recently like saying that I'm getting too negative and I want to talk about that in a lot more detail and like how my stance is based upon Arteta and the club and where I'm at. Because I feel like people that are, you know, maybe dipping for a show or two or are not liking the way I'm speaking about things because they like me being uber positive about stuff. Look, at the end of the day, I just speak my mind and I speak how I feel at the time. And if my mind changes, my mind changes. I've always been an advocate of saying, if you want to change your mind, change your mind. So I, you know, I'm probably going to do a show about that a little bit later on today before I go out. No promises, but uh, I'm going to try and, uh, and do that. But thank you, Chatbox. I see you. I see all of you. Thank you for tuning in, as always. Drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Drop us a like. Become a member. Join the Discord server with our members. They're a great group of people. And, uh, and it was a pleasure meeting a few of them at the Emirates the other day as well. So I will see you again a little bit later on today. Fingers crossed. Have an absolutely fantastic day. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. 
all your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.